0: Uh, Okay, foundational topics. So these are the things for us to know as we can establish strong uh, and solid foundation to grow and and stand firm in Christ. Stand firm against the teachings teachings that are not completely in line with scripture. Stand firm against teaching of man and stand firm against the attack of the devil, which we know who is prowling, 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 like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour, right we know that from first peters verse five eight so as we have strong, solid foundations, we can stand firm and rebuke the lies and the doubts and the fears that may come from the devil so the the, the topic that we will go through this morning is salvation. I would start by saying that um Well, obviously, it's the first one because we need to know what it is and receive salvation before we can go on and learn more about the other topics. I want to start by saying that people uh, don't find salvation because of a deep soul searching. It may, you may have seen a lot of comic books and TV and movies about people asking, have you found Jesus? You know, have you found Jesus? We ourselves don't find Jesus. And, and, and it may start with us being, um, and you know, uh, doing a, a deep dive into our soul and, and search for who is God. And it may start with that, and which will lead to an acknowledgement that we need God in our lives. Even that acknowledgement that we need God in our lives is not salvation. It is just a desire to seek God when we know that we need God. So even then, we don't just find Jesus on our own effort just because we are seeking God. We need to get that. When I was saying about the acknowledgement that we need God, we need to get to that place so our hearts can be softened and our hearts can be open to the realization that God has been trying to reveal himself to us through the Holy Spirit this whole time to realize the things that God has done to reconcile us so we can be saved so we can receive salvation. The people seek God, we do. We I think we all have seek God one time or another. But it is through the Holy Spirit whom the Father reveals Jesus to us. We don't find Jesus. He's not hidden somewhere. He's not up in a mystical mountain or in a mystical village somewhere that we have to make a pilgrimage to go and find him. The Holy Spirit has been trying to reveal Jesus to all of us this whole time. And that's, that's something that, um, it, it sounds funny when you say, I found Jesus. We didn't find Jesus. So we need to keep that in mind. An example for that is from Matthew 16, verse 17, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? I think we all know this. Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus said, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, it was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And you know, we see that in 1 Corinthians 2, we see that in Romans 8, John 16. And also in John 17, when Jesus was praying for all the believers, he said, Father, I want those you have given to me. I think I I didn't highlight those. I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. I want to say, um, I want to start out with that just so we know what to say when people said, have you found Jesus or when did you find Jesus? He is already in our midst. He is among us. It is not about us finding Jesus. It's about God wanting to reveal himself to us. He's been wooing us. He's been calling us. He's been drawing us closer this whole time. And we need to get to a place where our hearts can open so the Holy Spirit can reveal who is Jesus. And I want to set the premises for what is salvation. It also means saved or delivered. So anyway, that's something that I have always have a little... What's to say? It's, it's a love when I, when I see people say, Have you found Jesus? You know, when did you find Jesus? It's like, Ah, oh, I have a sermon for you. But I got to find the right way to communicate that. And I just want to, to um, stress that so that we know how to respond and, and what it means regarding salvation. So we're going to go through salvation more in depth this morning at the same time i do want to say that i will not be able to be able to cover everything because there are so many things so many different theologies on salvation but i just want to cover the hopefully the main points for us to look into so firstly is the need for salvation god's original intent as a reminder for us god's original intent was one of covenant and relationship with mankind, his creation. However, one disobedient act in the beginning, it was enough to cause sin to enter into the DNA of mankind, which is why we need salvation. Or saving. Salvation or saving it means the same thing because of that one act of disobedience, which is why we, we, we need just one single act of disobedience. We are not able to because of that one act of disobedience, and sin is within us, within our DNA, we're not able to be in the presence of God or to be in the relationship with God due to that DNA of sin that are in our spiritual heritage. Without Jesus. Without Jesus, we will not be able to be in the presence of God because God is perfect. He is holy. He is without blemish. So nothing short of perfection can be in his presence. We see that in Isaiah 59, but in your iniquities have separated you from your God. And in Romans um, 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. And David wrote this in uh, Psalm 51, verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So we, because of what happened from the beginning of time, have that within our DNA. This is difficult for most people, if not all people, especially now, to to fully understand due to the me, myself, and I mentality. You know the question that we ask, what's in it for me? What's good for me? What am I going to get out of this? would translate to the mentality of I didn't do it, so it's not my problem. It wasn't me, so I'm not going to accept the blame for it. Or I didn't do that, so I'm not going to accept the consequences from the generation past or from our ancestors. However, it is within our DNA, whether we like it or not, whether we can accept it or not. We need to be cleansed of the sin that is within our DNA. Just a little bit on this sinful heritage. You know, it's not about what we did or didn't do during our lifetime, like I was saying. It is already within our DNA, so that's why it's, it's our spiritual heritage, not in a good way, that came down from Adam and Eve. It is part of who we are as people. Just like I'm Asian, right? I have a different skin tone. It's part of me no matter how much I try to change my appearance or, or never eat Asian food again, I'm still Asian. Or if I don't speak Asian again, whatever that is, I'm still Asian. So, so right, so, so we know that's within us. And, and even if someone thinks that we came from monkeys, we definitely have sinned because we were acting like animals, right? Because animals had this mentality of survival of the fittest, killed or be killed. When you have that mentality, you're probably killing people. So you definitely, definitely sin in your past, and you desperately, even more so, need salvation. Even more, if we think our ancestors, and if we think our ancestors acted like animals, did I say that right? Okay. You guys know what I'm trying to say. So for, again, as a reminder in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, so to, just to set the foundation that we all have sinned, and it's within our DNA, no matter what we think we did or didn't do. And what is the cost of sin? It is death. Physical death and spiritual death. And sin... Going back to the topic of sin, there's no such thing as a small sin, or a large sin, or a minor sin, or major sin. Sin is sin. As I was saying, before God's holiness and His righteousness, sin is sin. We, as people, we try to tell ourselves about the degree of sin, big or small, just to make ourselves feel better or to justify our actions, right? We say, well, it's just a little white lie, so it's okay, but a lie is a lie. Before the perfect and righteous God, a lie is a lie. So sin is sin. Just like a white canvas. You have a white canvas, and you big, drop a bucket of black ink on it, it's sin. Or you drop a small drop of ink on it, you still notice it, because it's no longer a nice white canvas. That example was so much better in my head. Um, so again, you know, um, Paul wrote in Romans, For the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins is the one who will die in Ezekiel, 18 verse 4. God, even God, in his mercy, even warned Adam about sin when he told Adam not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because he said, If you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Not that you will die. You will certainly die. Like, you will die, period. He even gave Adam that warning. But we know what happened, right? So that's within us. The sin is within our, within our DNA. It doesn't matter what we, thought we did or didn't do or what we're going to do or what we're not going to do. It doesn't really matter. It's already within our DNA. So the next question is, why can't we redeem ourselves? It's because we are not righteous. We already have sin within us. In Isaiah, he wrote, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. When I read this, to me, it's more like, and all of our self righteous acts are like filthy rags. Because God, we can see this example through the Old Testament. God gave the law to Moses because he foresaw, foresaw, for He could tell in the future that I'm sure someone's going to reason, well, God, if I knew what the rules was, I would comply by it. So he gave the law to Moses. And we have seen how God's people failed miserably over and over and over again in the Old Testament. It is because of our sinful heritage. It gets better. I know it sounds very depressing, but it gets better. So it's within us DNA, and so I just want to try to get that across. It is a generational sin. If you ever heard of the term generational sin, it's something within us that will come down, whether we like it or not. And it's that's what a generational sin is. It's a diso- disobedient act, is within us throughout all generations. No one can stop it, except, except for Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can stop it from going forward. Jesus is the only one that can stop the generational sin. Jesus is the only one that can make us whole again. He is the only one. We see that in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I want to say that again. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is a gift. We are trapped in this cycle of generational sin. There's nothing that we can do. We have tried and tried and tried in the past. We cannot escape it. But it is the gift from God. It is the gift from God that is able to free us, that we can receive salvation. And that is Jesus. And what are the qualifications of Jesus? as a sacrifice. Jesus, he was born to a virgin. Can you go to the next one? So, is that the next one? I think there's the next one. Next one, one more. So, Jesus, he was born to a virgin. Jesus was born without needing a contribution of a Y chromosome. For those of you who know about science, that's pretty much almost impossible. Actually, I think it is impossible to be a boy without the contribution of a Y chromosome. So the disobedience, spiritual heritage from Adam that has been passing down through all people did not get passed down to Jesus. The sin that was in the generational sin did not pass down to Jesus. Not only that, he lived a perfect life. Because of that, and he died an unjustly death. Because of that, he became the only, the only acceptable, perfect sacrifice. The only sacrifice that was unblemished, undefected, because we know in Leviticus uh, 22 verse 20, God said, I will only accept a sacrifice that is undefected and unblemished. And that's what Jesus' death on the cross was. We learn through the series for the Jesus that we know and love by, uh, by going through the book of Luke, that in Luke 23, that Jesus was the only perfect sacrifice and it was accepted. The only perfect sacrifice for all people of all time. Because it was accepted because he broke the power of death and he came back alive. So that sacrifice was accepted. When that happened, Jesus died for all of us. When I say all of us, I mean all of us. Not just people in America. All of us. See, all can be saved, but not all accepted to be saved. You know, God's desire is for all to be saved. He died as a perfect sacrifice for all people throughout the history of mankind. We see that from 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Who wants God, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth? We also see that in John 3, verse 16, where God sent his son to die for the world, for everyone. Everyone can be saved. So how, how can anyone. How can people be saved? Or how can people receive salvation? By two things. Can you go to the next one? By two things. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Repentance is about changing of one's mind and consequently by changing one's mind we change in the direction of our life. Our entire life. Not repentance is, some people tend to think that it's just a state of remorse or just a feeling sorry for yourself, but re- repentance actually means a changing of one's mind, changing one's life, changing one's, how one makes decisions, recognizing our sinfulness and deciding to live differently, deciding to live according to God's revealed will for his people. And the second thing is faith. Is as we repent, we've got to have faith that Jesus Christ is our Savior. It is only in Jesus and Him alone. He is the perfect sacrifice. That faith in that, we can see from Acts 4, verse 12, that like, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only name. And also in Romans 10, verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and justified and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And that's what it is in order to receive salvation, is to repent and have faith in Jesus. And how do you do that? You just believe in our heart and profess with our mouth. And that's how we receive salvation. Salvation comes through repentance and faith in Jesus. It brings us back to be, to be in the original relationship with God, you know, as we know, when Adam and Eve was walking with God, that's what it was meant to be. We are meant to be in the presence of God, but because of one disobedient act, we were not able to do that. However, by receiving salvation through Jesus, we can get back into the relationship with God again, and to be with Him, and to be in the way that we were created to be. As we, are, as we confess with our mouths, and believe with our hearts that Jesus is our God and Savior, we are c- covered or the term that people use a lot is we are cloaked. We're cloaked in the perfection and righteousness of Jesus. Therefore, when we stand before our Heavenly Father, He only sees the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus. That's why when we believe and have faith in Jesus, when the Father look at, our Heavenly Father looks at us, He no longer sees us. Our, our blemish and our defect, defectiveness, He only sees Jesus. That's what he sees, and that's what it means to to be saved. That's what it means to to receive salvation. Our sins, all of them, generational sins, small sins, big sins, sins that we committed in the past, sins that we will commit in the future, have all been forgiven through the blood of Jesus. That's how amazing it is. Through Jesus, through our faith in Jesus, we have been deemed righteous by our Father, That's an amazing God that we worship. Just like it came through in in the worship this, this, this morning, God is caring for us, for the little things and the big things. He's not just a distant God. He comes and he died on the cross for us. Jesus died on the cross for us so we can be reconciled with our Father again. That is an amazing God. That is a God that is worthy of us changing our lives and making decisions for. So salvation is an understanding that, all people are born sinful and only through Jesus we can be redeemed. Through Jesus we can be saved or be restored back to our original relationship with God. I'm closing it now. We're well, almost done. So, so it's, it's a gift, and it's a remember that it's a gift from God. It's a gift that is something that cannot be earned. It can only be received or declined. It cannot be earned. Just like Ephesians 2, verse um, 8 and 9, it it is not work so no one can boast. It's not, no one can say, no one can say that I deserve more righteousness than you. No one can, because it's a gift from God. That's how we receive salvation. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone. So it's important for us to know about salvation so we can be thankful and grateful for it. That's why we worship Him because we're thankful for what Jesus did, we're grateful for what he did, because we were trapped in this cycle of generational sins. We were subjected to death, and we were under the influence of the devil. However, through God's unmerited mercy and grace, we have received salvation. We can receive salvation. We are free we are free from our sinful heritage that came down from the beginning of time. We have been rescued, if you want to look at it that way, rescued. We have been freed from the spiritual control of the devil. Under the dominion of the devil, it is all about mistrust, selfishness, self-righteousness, anger, hate, control, legalism, deceit, and manipulation. And I can go on and on and on and on. These are the things that we see in our day-to-day lives. It's because when people are not accepting the gift of salvation, they're under the control, under the dominion of the devil, and those things will come through. That's why we're so thankful and grateful for our salvation, for our salvation through Jesus. Jesus called us to advance the kingdom, right? Through making disciples. This means sharing the gospel to others. But I want to, the reason we talk about salvation, I want us to know that we do not take on the burden of saving others. We cannot save anyone. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. We cannot save anyone. Did I make that clear? We cannot save anyone. Only Jesus can save. But, but, we can pray. We can pray for God to reveal himself to them them meaning our friends and our family, those that we're trusting for, trusting for them to come to the understand and the revelation of Jesus is our God and our Savior. And, so pray for them, and, number two, share with them about the gospel. Paul wrote in Romans 10, verse 14 and 15. We can pray for them, but if they don't know who Jesus is, it doesn't really matter. So, therefore, that's why Paul wrote, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they heal without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Pray for salvation for them, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to them and share the gospel. Share the gospel to those God has put on your hearts. And trusting that they are in a place of, of deep soul searching. They are in a place of acknowledgement that they need God. So as we pray for them, the Holy Spirit will come down and reveal Jesus to them. And we share with them about the gospel, the who Jesus is. So both in the spiritual and in the practical. Pray for them and share the gospel. And I think it's appropriate for us to start this foundation series with this topic. It is the beginning of life as a follower of Christ. As a be- is the beginning as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's what people refer to as being born again. And I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to daily rejoice in this incredible gift of salvation. This gift of eternal life. Because the cost of sin was death for the physical and spiritual, right? Now that we have salvation, we no longer have a spiritual death. We have eternal life. We have an eternal spiritual life. No one can ever take it away from us. Ever. Period. No one. Jesus said this himself in John 10, verse 29. My Father, who has given them to me, which is us, believers, given them to me, my Father is greater than all, no one no one meaning no one can snatch them out of my father's hand so be secure in the assurance of our salvation our salvation is not just a feeling our emotions and our feelings may come through the incredible revelation of this gift from god that we we get so excited because oh my goodness this is so incredible i am free it's a free gift i've been free from slavery so our emotion and our feelings will come into play. However, they should not become the basis of our faith. Nor are they to become our main objective or goal. Don't live for the highs that come with our emotion. Don't go from one place to the other just to experience the high of being in the presence of God. That is just emotion and, and our feelings. When we are secure in our, 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 our salvation, be secure in the assurance of our salvation. This is how we grow in our maturity. Because as we mature in Christ, you know our, our, our emotions and our feelings won't dictate our actions or our decisions because we all know there's going to be good days and bad days. And we do not want our bad days to dictate our faith and what we believe in. And that's a mark of maturity. I want to end by making a brief... It's going to be a little bit controversial, but I want to end by making a brief comment on the recent incidents of, of hate and violence that's been going on in Charlottesville, Barcelona, and everywhere else. As some of you may have been paying attention to the news, I think, uh, it, is, it is easy to, to pinpoint the problem to racism a white privilege or whatever. While some of those suggestions are not incorrect, we are only addressing the tip of the iceberg. It is not about white versus black it 's not about young versus rich, wait young versus old, rich versus poor, or, or whatever. you know the list will go on and on and on because if it 's not one it 's going to be the other. The roots of all these things that we see, the root of all the anger, fear, mistrust, misunderstanding, and hate it 's the sinfulness within us. If we go back to what we talk about the dominion of the devil, deceit, manipulation, selfishness, control, hate, anger. Anxiety, fear, that's where it's coming from. Those are the things people will always have when they are under the spiritual dominion of the devil. And those, those incidents and the violent incidents will always happen if they don't come to know Jesus. It is, unfortunately, it's mankind's spiritual heritage, sinful spiritual heritage through Adam and Eve's disobedience. It is the sinfulness within us when we don't have relationship with Jesus. Now, more than ever, there is a greater need and more desperate need to share the love and goodness of Jesus Christ. Right? There's a greater need of salvation for people everywhere. As we can see, there's a heightened number of incidents of hate and anger and frustrations. We need to be reminded that the burden of other people's salvation is not on us because we can't save anyone. But the urgency to share the gospel, to pray for salvation is much greater now than before. So I want to encourage everyone, myself included, don't stay silent about Jesus. As I was preparing this, I realized salvation is such an incredible gift that I am so thankful for, that I am very grateful for, but I want everyone else to know. So don't stay silent about Jesus. It is through the love of Jesus that people, all people, people everywhere that can overcome hate and anger and prejudice and misunderstandings and fear. It is through the love of Jesus that rescue people from the dominion of the devil. Don't let the weak love, don't let the love that is not knowing right from wrong love, don't let the passive love be the voice of reason. Don't let the love that is do whatever you want as long as it makes you happy be the voice of reason. Look at what happened when Adam was being passive When Adam said, well, do whatever you want as long as it makes you happy, look what happened in the Garden of Eden. That is what I call a passive love. That is a weak love. When that happened, look at what happened. That became mankind's heritage, the heritage of sin. When we follow and we let that be the voice of reason, tell people, pray for people, Tell people about this amazing, strong, courageous, and sacrificial love of Jesus. He died for all people. He died for all of us. Again, all people, meaning all people, all races, all economic background. Tall, short, big, small, whatever. Tell people about the spiritual heritage that is in Christ. That's what we want to tell people. That there is a spiritual heritage in Christ. Instead of the sinful heritage in mankind, tell people about the spiritual heritage in Christ, that strong, courageous, amazing, amazing sacrificial love of Jesus. Let that, let the love of Jesus be the voice of reason. Let that strong, courageous, I don't want to say aggressive, but proactive sacrificial love be the voice of reason for all of us. That's more of a reason for us to pray for salvation and share with people about who Jesus is.